So overall, we had, these are just a couple of important numbers. As we close out the year, we had 214 new students this year. So first time to United, which is awesome. Before the year, we set the goal of 200. And so we surpassed that, and, uh, and God did an awesome job on that. 214 new people. That means you guys were inviting. That means you guys were, were bringing friends, bringing family members, all that. So that is awesome. We saw 25 first-time salvations. So that's 25 people. Amen. Amen. That's 25 people who did not know Jesus at the beginning of the year, did not have a relationship with Jesus. Their eternity was different than it is now, and now they're going to spend eternity with their Heavenly Father and change other people's lives as well. And then on top of that, we probably had another 20, 25, 30 recommitments. And sometimes, uh, sometimes people are like, well, recommitments don't really matter. Well, they do, because I still remember the times where I recommitted my life to Christ, where I kind of said, all right, I'm going to take a new step in my relationship with Christ. I'm going to grow up in my relationship with Christ, and, and I'm going to kind of recommit myself to his cause. So an awesome year so far. But overall, the biggest, kind of the two big themes, and they go hand in hand, and that was on purpose, was our theme for the year, which is Remnant Rising, and then our theme for Epworth, which was City on a Hill. And City on a Hill was all about how we are sharing our faith, how we are to share the the light of Christ with other people. Um, And then Remnant Rising was all about praying for revival and, and, and trusting that God would do something crazy. And just so you know, revival isn't like um, revival isn't a few people coming to Christ because that happens no matter what. Um, revival isn't like pretty good worship because that should happen no matter what. And God is working no matter what. But revival, when we see revival in Jacksonville, it will change everything. It'll change the way that police officers do their jobs. It'll change the way the economy works. It'll change the way people use their money. It'll bring husbands back to wives and, and families back together. It will, like, throughout history, this stuff has happened in other countries and other cities in our own nation. And so when we pray for this, we're praying for something powerful. We're praying for something that will change your entire lives. It'll be, it'll be amazing. It'll change Jacksonville for years to come. And so we said a remnant will start out of United. A remnant will start from a group of people. A remnant is always a small amount. It's not the majority or else it wouldn't be a remnant. It's a small amount that say we're going we're gonna to do what Second Chronicles 7.14 says, which is why we pray at 7.14 a.m. and p.m., and we're going to humble ourselves. We're going to turn from our wicked ways. We're going to pray and seek God's face. And we know if we do that, he will heal our land, heal our city, heal our church, heal our schools, heal our community. And so that's why we did City on a Hill, and that's why we focused on being doing our part in, in addition to the prayers, doing our part to, uh, to spread the light of Christ. But the truth is, and I know that you guys are here because I have the conversations with you, um, and I know how I feel myself. The truth is, sometimes things get old. They get tired. They get, um, it's hard to keep our energy high, our emotions high, our motivation high. And so what might have started as like, oh, I'm so pumped now. It might be like, oh, gosh, the alarm went off again. Oh, gosh, like, I don't even know what to pray this time. Oh, my gosh, i got to explain to another person why I stop in prayer, why my alarm goes off. Maybe you turned off your alarm. Maybe, maybe you've gotten tired of inviting your friends to church, and you're like, what's the point? They're never going to listen. They're never going to change. They're never going to do this. Maybe you've gotten tired of praying for them. But my aim tonight is to kind of start from the from the end, and then work back to where we are right now. A lot of times in church, we don't look at the end game, at, at what God is going to do in the end. And so what I want to do is my aim is to, to refresh in our spirits, to refresh in our minds when it comes to, uh, to, to revival and remnant rising and being a city on a hill. Give us new energy and, and give us a new spirit of just like emotion to be pumped about going and sharing our faith with the people around us. So we're going to talk about the prize. That's what tonight's called, the prize. And we're going to look at Revelation 
21. So you can go ahead and open up to Revelation 21. It's literally the next to last chapter in the Bible, so it's very easy to find. Open up the back of the Bible, start in the back, and find Revelation 21. 21. Revelation 21. So we're going to talk about the prize of heaven, the prize that God offers to us. And when I think about prizes, uh, there's a couple things that come to mind. And they're really cheap prizes, but they're just the first thing that come to mind. Um, it's the prize that comes in cereal boxes. Do they still do that? Okay, so when I was little, um, I, I think now it's just crappy prizes. But when I was little, it was like, you had like cool rings and like action figures and transformers and, and power rangers and all that kind of stuff. And... Um, and so what you would do is uh, you wouldn't buy a cereal based on what it tastes like or whether even you intended to eat it. You would tell your mom, oh, my gosh, I really want that cereal. They'd say, well, do you just want the prize? And it'd be like, uh, no, I'm going to eat that. It's like, really, are you going to eat, like, Raisin Bran or something like that? You're five. And you're like, no, I'm going to eat it, I promise. And so you'd get it, and the first thing you do is you would, not, you would not do what the natural thing is to shake the box out, and eventually at the end, oh, it falls into your cereal. This is what you do. You take your sticky, nasty booger pick in hand that's sweaty and grimy because you're seven years old and you dig it down in the bottom of everybody else's cereal because you wanted to get what you wanted to get the prize and when you got it you'd play with it for like 10 seconds and ruin everybody else's cereal and then you probably throw it away and never look at it again but we always wanted that prize also when I was in uh, elementary school we had field day do y'all remember field day do y'all still do that you go out to the field and uh it makes the athletes feel great about themselves. It makes everybody else hate their lives, right? And so you go out, and, and, and why do we think that second graders and third graders are really like, like athletic like freaks? Because they're not. They're just they're second graders and third graders. But we, 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 we take out, we dedicate a whole day, we stop going to class, we say, oh, academics, who cares? We're going to go run a 50-yard dash and do bag races and do a three-legged race and all that kind of stuff. So you go out there, and I remember still Vero Beach uh, in Florida, South Florida, uh, at Rosewood Elementary, I was in third grade, um, actually second grade, and that was like my, my, my time and my, my moment in, in, the, in the spotlight. I, I, was, uh, I was second grader, so obviously I was kind of growing up. I had kindergarten out of the way, first grade. I was feeling good about myself, starting to come into my own as an athlete. And, uh, and I was in the 50-yard dash, and I was in uh, multiple other races. And I remember what the prize was. The prize, if you remember this, was a, a little ribbon, and it would say your, your school name on it. And it would either be red, blue, or white. I think white was third place. Red might have been second. And then blue was first. And so I remember that day. I don't really remember. The, I still, actually, I still remember. It's one of my memories. I just remember us all being out in the field and sweating and running all these races. It was just like chaos. Why do they take a bunch of elementary school kids and just put them out in the field and let them run around? It, it's ridiculous. But I remember finishing, like, second place in, in, the, ru in the run. And I was like, okay, like. Uh, my, I'm, I'm basically a pro athlete because I'm the second fastest guy in the second grade. And, uh, and I remember finishing uh, like maybe second or third in the relay race. So I came home with like two or three ribbons. None of them first, but you know, not everybody can be first. So that some people are second and third, and I got second and third. Everybody else just got the stupid participant ribbon, which we know is not even a prize. That's not even a real thing. It's just something they give to people to make them feel better about themselves. And so, uh, so I remember winning the ribbons and being so pumped about the prizes. But the truth is those prizes are pretty trivial. We don't really have to do much to earn them, and in, a, in and of themselves, they're kind of just basic. But there are some other prizes in our lives that are a much bigger deal than cereal boxes and little ribbons. The prize, the prize is worth even more when there's a cost. And, and when we have to earn it and we have to fight for it, it's worth even more. We see this like in sports. If you, uh, if you just make a team, okay, that's great. But if you uh, didn't make a team maybe in ninth grade year and you spent a year training Working out, you had a coach, you, you, you played on other teams to try to get practice, and then you come the next year and you make the team. Well, now, 
it's worth so much more to you because you, you put work into it. You put effort into it. There was a cost before you got the prize. So that makes the prize sweeter than, than it was maybe for the other people who just kind of walked out there and made the team. And if you've ever won like a district championship or a conference championship or a city championship, you know that that's, it makes everything worth it. It makes the, the runs worth it. It makes the sprints worth it. It makes the times where you argued with your coach and argued with your teammates and the times where you lost and the times where you were tired or hurt. It makes it all worth it because the prize, the prize is right in front of you, and you're like, oh, it makes everything that I did, all those costly times, all the suffering worth it. We see it in music. A lot of times um, we, uh, we, we, we go to these music shows, or we go to concerts, or we look at TV, and we're like, man, it'd be nice to be that person. Well, we, we kind of see just like the end game, and we're like, oh, that's great, but we don't see the years and years where they played at like dive bars with 10 people in attendance. We don't see the years where they, their fingers were bleeding and calloused because they played over and over and over again. We don't see the, the letters that they got back saying, uh, thanks but no thanks, your band stinks, or uh, you're never going to make it in, in, in this career. Maybe you should find something else. We don't see all those things. We just see the end, and we're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could be them. Well, there was a cost to that prize. There was a cost to getting to where they are. And sometimes we don't really pay attention to that, but, but when they get to that moment, sometimes they are, they're, they're just overwhelmed. You see them at an award show, they're overwhelmed because they took such a cost to get there. They sold themselves out for that prize. Now that they got it, they're so pumped. This is why we see grown men on a field after a Super Bowl or after the NBA Finals or a playoff game crying whether they win or lose because if they won, they got everything that they've ever worked for. If they lost, they were so close and then all those costs come back, flooding back into their minds like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could get to where I've been trying to go. We also see the same thing with academics. Um, when someone graduates and they've, they've put everything they have into being like the valedictorian or, or top ten in their class or making it to a certain college, there is, there's a cost that went into that for years and years. And so when they get the prize, it makes it that much better because there was a cost. And so I want to look at Revelation 21, a prize unlike any other. A prize that uh, is just incredible as we talk about it and, and as we read it. And this is the best picture of, uh, this is the best picture of, um, of what heaven will be like, of what eternity will be like. And what it is is John, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest friends, um, he, he, he's on this island by himself and he has this vision. And that's what revelation is. It's this revelation of, of what God showed him of the end times, uh, of what would come um, when Jesus came back for his people. And so this is a, a beautiful description, but we also have to understand, this is a guy seeing things of heaven, which no person can understand. So he's going to be explaining things, and they might not make sense, and they might be like, what is he talking about? But probably it didn't even make sense to him. He was looking at it, and it was like, I don't even know how to describe this. So we're going to see that in a little bit. So we'll start reading. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any See, So the first thing you can notice is that everything will be gone. Everything that we remember, everything that we, we knew before in our prior life will be gone. And it, will be, it will be passed away. In fact, that's a quote of an Old Testament scripture. And that Old Testament scripture talks about how we won't even be able to remember our life on earth. Like, have you ever tried to remember someone's name or remember a date or something like that, and you just can't remember it, and you're trying as hard as you can? That's what it's going to be like. We could try to think back to our lives, and we're not even going to be able to, to, to figure it out at all because it's going to be so far gone because of how good God is. He says, as I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice. And just so you know, the bride is the church. It's us. It's the, it's the body of believers. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The truth is, we are going to be face-to-face with Jesus. We're going to be face-to-face with God. We talk about having to look up and, and focus on Jesus, and it's going to be, it's not even going to be work in heaven. We're just going to be able to look, and he's all around us all the time. Go ahead and go to the next slide. It says this. This is amazing. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Think about that. Every tear you've ever cried, all the suffering in your life, he will, he will wipe it all away. There will be no more death, There will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne, that is God, says, I am making everything new. Then he says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So just think about an existence where nothing goes wrong. Everything's perfect. Think about your best day and multiply it by infinity, and that is every day. That's like a bad day in heaven. It's your best day times infinity. And God says, I'm going to make everything new. Not just some things. Not, not just, not just uh, you know, the things that are kind of, you know, bad, but I'm making everything new. Even the best things on earth will still be remade and be new. And he continues in verse 6. He said to me, John's saying, God says this to me, it is done, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So let me explain that to you. What it's saying is that there is a free gift from God. And if we know Jesus, we will be victorious in Jesus. Not because of what we did, not because we're perfect, because we're not. Really, if you think about it, we're all one of those things. We've all done bad things. We've all messed up. And so what it's saying is not... Not that if you're bad, you're going to go to hell. It's saying, if you know Jesus, you have this free gift. You are victorious in Jesus. And what it's saying about the other people is the people that that don't know him, well, they'll have to depend on themselves. And we can't depend on ourselves because we're messed up. You know that you've messed up so many times. You've experienced your own life. You know what it's like to be you. And you know that you are not perfect. And when it talks about that second death, it's saying we're all going to die a first death. but, But one day the people who don't know Jesus will die this spiritual death, being separated from God. For all of eternity. Then it says this. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It is shown with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. So we got like a square thing happening. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold. So their rulers in heaven, their measuring tape is made out of gold. That's how amazing things are there. Their tools are made out of gold. And so he measured the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as high and wide as it was long. Just so you know what 12,000 stadia is, 12,000 stadia is 1,400 miles. 
1,400 miles. So it's 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, and then 1,400 miles high. If you think about this, if you think about like a plane flying overhead when it's at like cruising altitude, it's maybe seven miles in the air. So we're talking about 1,400 miles tall. Uh, it, it, that, that's just like a, a, a thought that we can't even imagine. There is plenty of room in this kingdom that God has. It is beautiful. Uh, it is 200, or it's 2 million square miles. Um, do we have a picture of that, that globe? Okay, so this is about what it looks like. So that's the globe. And this is what the, the size of the kingdom that is being described in Revelation 21 is. So you notice it's about um, from Texas to Canada or past Canada. It's about from the east coast to the west coast. But then notice how high it is. It is, it is going out like out of the atmosphere of earth. So this is a humongous, humongous city we're talking about. A, an amazing, amazing thing. Let's go back to the scripture. So the, the angel measured the wall, and the, the wall was about 200 feet thick. That's 144 cubits thick. The wall was made out of jasper, which is a precious, precious material. And the city of pure gold is pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate. I don't know what that is. The fourth, um, what'd you say? Agate. Oh, wow. I'm learning something. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, ruby. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, turquoise. The eleventh, jacinth. And the twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. So this gate is just this massive pearl. You've seen these little pearls and you know how valuable they are. Your, your, your mom might have a necklace or something like that with pearls in it or earrings that are pearls. And so this massive gate is made out of one Pearl. Each gate was made from a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold. If you walk on the streets of the nicest neighborhood, guess what's going to happen when you get home? You're going to look at your feet, and what color are they going to be? Black. They're going to be black and dirty, because even the nicest streets in America are dirty. And it's saying the streets, the nastiness of the streets, asphalt is equivalent to gold in this, in this, in this city of God. So the great street of the city is made of gold, as pure as transparent glass. And then I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. They are its temple. Um, I want to show you a picture of Jerusalem, as it is today. This is Jerusalem. So this is, this is what... John is describing is like a new Jerusalem, but this is current Jerusalem. It's a beautiful city. It's like on my, it's like number one on my list of where I want to go one day. And I can't wait to travel to Jerusalem and see the places where Jesus was, see the places where the apostles were, the early church. It's, it's an incredible thing. It's a really cool city. But here's the thing about this city. It's basically ruins. It's thousands of years old, one of the oldest cities in the world. It's built on ruins, on ruins, on ruins, on ruins. And so when you're walking around, underneath you are just the ruins of past civilizations. And so it's beautiful, yeah, but it's, it's still ruins. And what I think God is saying through this verse, what I think he's saying is that, is that when he gives us this new earth, when he gives us this new Jerusalem, it's going to be so much greater than anything we have. And I think what he's saying to us is this. The ruins of our lives will be completely restored. The ruins of our lives will be completely restored. Whatever the bad is in your life, whatever the junk is, the bad relationships, the sin, the mess-ups, the memories, everything will be completely restored. Now, notice what restored is. It doesn't even just mean new. It's not going to be like it was when it first started, because that's kind of the way we think. It's going to be greater than it ever was before. This Jerusalem he's describing is greater than anything in the history of the world. 
And so the ruins of our lives will be completely restored. Let's go back to the scripture. So I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So there's no need for a church because God's just everywhere. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. That's like what the whole Look Up series was about was how the glory of God will change your life. So the glory of the God lights up this whole place. So you may wonder, like, if it's 1,400 miles high and it's got all these levels where there's going to be darkness. Well, well, there's light everywhere because of the glory of God. There is no darkness. There are no shadows. It's just everything light because of God's glory. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. There will be no more race. There will be no more nationalities. It will be one body. Think about a world that just didn't have racism. How great it would be. How amazing it would be. It just didn't have divisions between people based on where they're from and where their borders are and all that. And that is just one of many things that are going to be happening in this new Jerusalem. That we are going to spend eternity in this heavenly realm. Verse 25, and we'll finish up here. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. No will anyone who denies or who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we know that we are written in the, in the Lamb's book of life based on our faith in Jesus. So there's no temple because God is everywhere. We're face to face with God. And there are no, uh, if you notice, there's something a little bit weird in this, in this scripture. We could do a whole series on this, but there's something a little bit weird. It keeps calling things clear. Like it keeps calling gold clear. We know gold's not clear. It, it calls all these precious jewels clear, and they're not really clear. And, we're, and you may be wondering, like, why is it saying it's clear? How can a wall be clear? How can a building be clear? How can the water and the streets be clear? I heard this a couple years ago um, from a pastor, and, and what he said was, it's not that those things are actually clear. But what we have to realize is that in comparison to God, it's all just, it doesn't matter. Like, it's beautiful. The city's beautiful. He, he describes it with all these precious jewels. But like, but, like, if we look at the city, everything's clear because we see straight through it to its creator. We see straight through it to God. We see straight through it to his glory. And so you can see everything at once. But all you really notice is the glory of God. And maybe that's just a word for you right now. Maybe in this life, you just need to keep something clear. Money's great, but keep it clear and see through it to God. You, you know, relationships are great, but keep them clear and see through them to the creator who has a relationship with you. Um, life and, and stuff, it's all great. It's all great. School, academic, sports, it's great, but keep it clear. Just keep it clear. Keep those things in your life clear and focus on the one who made them because they are not the point God is the point. Here's the one point I want you to take home. The prize is worth the cost. Everybody say, the prize is worth the cost. Say it one more time. The prize is worth the cost. So as we talk about prizes and we talk about um, these things in our life that we get excited about and all that, we need to realize that this prize is greater than anything else. It's amazing. This this city uh, is incredible. Spending all eternity with God, nothing, think about the greatest spirit moment you've ever had with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Whether it's on a mission trip or at Epworth or whatever. Think about that, but that's like, that's nothing compared to what every single day is when we're face to face with Jesus. It's an incredible thing. So, what does this all have to do with what we've talked about at the beginning? Remnant rising, a city on a hill, all that kind of things. I want us to remember that the prize is worth the cost. The prize is worth the awkward conversations that you have with your friends. The prize is worth 
The invitations that go unanswered, the texts that go unanswered, the calls where you're like, hey, you want to come? No, I'm not going to come. Hey, let me come pick you up. No, I'm not really interested. I did something else. They make excuses, all that kind of stuff. The prize is worth the cost. It's worth the, the, the serving. We have a group of people um, that I just want to thank that have served all year to make United happen. We've, we have the band, we have the tech team, the, the hosts, the greeters, um, the stage assistants, the photographers. These are the people, these are the students that make this happen, and it makes everything worth it in eternity. No matter how inconvenient things are, no matter how tough things are, the serving is all worth it because the prize is worth the cost. The loving other people, even when you don't want to, when people get on your nerves, when people bother you, when people gossip about you, it's worth it because the prize is worth the cost. In fact, the prize becomes better every single time there is a cost. Every single time we have to suffer. The prize is worth the sacrifices. It's worth the money. We, we bring our money and our tithes and offerings and we put them in this, in this box. And it's worth all of that and more. It is worth the prayers the prayers that go unanswered for a long time. We pray for our friends. We pray for our friends. We pray for our friends. We pray for our family. We pray for our parents to get back together. We pray for, for financial things. We pray for our college. We pray for academics. We pray, 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 pray. And the prize is worth the prayers. The 714 alarms, you may say, oh gosh, I'm so over them. The prize is worth it. The prize of people knowing Jesus, of spending eternity in this heavenly city, of your friends and your family being able to spend eternity in a place where gold is like junk. And where walls are made out of diamonds. Like, this is what heaven is. This is incredible. John couldn't even describe it. He's like, I don't even know. Like, I guess, like, there's, like, these jewels. And there's this stuff, like, uh, it's like the foundations of the apostles. And the, the gates are made out of pearls. I can't even describe this stuff to you. It's, like, crazy. And that's what he's saying. He's like, I, I can't, I don't even know how to describe this. And then everything's clear. And there's light everywhere. And God's everywhere. And, oh, like, this is incredible, and he's writing to us. You can just imagine him writing this, like, I wish they could have seen this. I wish they could know what it's like. It makes the 714 alarms, the prayers for revival, makes them worth the cost, because this is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for the day we get to see Jesus face to face. We're fighting for the day we get to spend eternity in that city with no pain ever again. The 80 years that we live on earth will be not even a memory, not even a memory. Like, we won't even be able to try to remember them. We won't even be able to think, oh, well, that was good because nothing's good compared to heaven and compared to what it offers. And what we're also fighting for is we're fighting for our friends, our teachers, our teammates, our city, our community, our parents to spend eternity in that place, in that place. Sometimes we talk about like the fear and like, oh, you don't want them to go to hell and all that stuff. Don't worry about all that. Think about what they could be a part of. It's all. It's, it, you, whenever you have a good experience and you go like to a cool vacation, and uh, or, or a cool party or something like that, and, and you and people ask you about it, you're like, man, I just wish you were there. I wish you could have experienced it with me. I can't even explain it. That's what it's like with heaven. We want them to be with us. We want the people we love, the people in our community. We want Ponte Vedra to be with us. We want Neptune Beach, Atlantic Beach, Jack's Beach, North Side, West Side, South Side, Town Center, Downtown. We want all of those people to be experiencing the prize, the prize of Jesus. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't stop. Don't stop. If you've given up, try again. Get back up and try again. If you've given up on your friends, start asking them again. Start talking to them again about your faith. If you've given up on prayers, start circling those things in prayers again. 
If you've given up on God, look back up to him and let him change you. If you've given up on your 714 alarm, turn it back on right now and start praying again with a renewed vision, a renewed emotion. If you haven't signed up for a mission trip or camp and you've been like, eh, no, it's, it's not really that big deal, think about this. This is something that will help us go towards the prize, that will help us experience the prize of Jesus, that will help other people and our friends come to know Jesus and for us to know Jesus in a deeper way. It is worth the cost. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't do any of those things. So what we're going to do is the band's going to play a little bit. We're just going to put some scriptures up on the, on the board or on the, on, on the, on the uh, screens. And there are just a few of the scriptures de- defining or, or describing this city this amazing city. It'll just switch every once in a while. And I just want you to read it. Or you can close your eyes and I just want you to imagine heaven. I want you to imagine what it's like, the beauty, the majesty of the prize. That no matter what you're going through right now, hear me, no matter what you're going through, it'll be trash and forgotten compared to this heavenly dwelling. Imagine in your mind, maybe you just want to close your eyes while the music's playing. We're not going to be singing yet. Close your eyes and just like think about seeing God face to face, what that would be like. Just imagine it. Spend some time reading this scripture and thinking about the prize of heaven because the prize is worth the cost. And then the band will start playing and we're gonna, we're gonna close that. There's a reason why we only did one song on the front. We're gonna close with just a strong, pumped up time of worship. This is the last time we're gonna be in the block until August. So I want you to give it all you got to God, thanking him for the prize of heaven, thanking him for the prize of grace, the prize of eternity, the prize of a city where the streets are made of gold and the foundations are made of crystal. And I want us to praise together and pray together to the heavenly father that deserves all of the praise. Can we do that? Can we do that? So let's spend a, t- a little bit of time in, in, just, in just reflection of this and then we're gonna stand together when the band starts singing and we're just gonna sing our guts out.